passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It is the Bama Online Podcast, senior analyst for BOL, Travis Ryer, joined by site publisher Tim Watts. It's T. Watts and T.R. on the Bama Online Podcast. It is Wednesday, May the 5th, 2021, also known as Tim Watts, Cinco de Mayo. But with all the rains in central Alabama over the last 24 hours, I think you had another way of describing today for us. For us, it's more like sinkhole de Mayo. <laughs> five or six inches of rain, heavy rain, really fast. I mean, like, boom. I went to get a haircut and almost spent the night. It was raining so hard. So, of course, that's when I was wearing flip-flops. And there's, you know, it, I mean, there was huge puddles pretty quick. So, schools were delayed. You know, you forget how quick the roads in that kind of rain can, uh, they can just get covered up, especially here in Alabaster. So, but schools were delayed a few hours. But other than that, we're back to normal. Yeah, it was, uh, I think, the minimal amount through central Alabama that I saw for rainfall in the last 24 hours was like six inches in a given town or area. So if you were in Tuscaloosa or Birmingham on Tuesday into Tuesday night, maybe even into Wednesday morning, you were looking at a minimum of six inches of rainfall. So just absolutely incredible. In honor of Cinco de Mayo, Tim, how about some number fives in Alabama athletic history, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, maybe even a few baseball players, softball players mixed in there. Football, some guys who instantly come to mind for me, Andrew Zal, Roy Upchurch, even a sort of random player like Tony Johnson, a tight end from years ago. Uh, I think about uh, Ephraim Thomas, former Alabama defensive back from the 1980s, a really good player. You got any fives for us, Tim? No, when you asked that question, the first one that jumped to my mind was Cyrus, Cyrus Jones. Um, always one of my favorites. Always liked that sort of star guy. Uh, you know, we had Javi, Cyrus followed right after him. So sort of that, uh, I think they both went second round picks in the NFL, both really good careers at Alabama. Um, so he was the first one that jumped to mind. Yeah, good player and really one of those first guys, right, to come from that Baltimore, D.C. sort of area that Alabama's been able to mine so successfully under Nick Saban. Yeah, he kind of set the you know he kind of set the tone right away, and then they ended up with the Quanjo brothers, um, you know, and 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 doing doing really well. Those Terrell were, Lewis, yeah. yeah, those guys were all impact. You know, still see I saw Terrell last year with the Rams, and you realize 
how good, you know, that guy can be if he's healthy. So, yeah, that's another one. But that area has been good to him. Yeah, basketball, I'm thinking Ernest Shelton wore five. Kind of hard to come up with some fives. But just in sports history, you think about that number around Major League Baseball, the National Football League, maybe the NBA, uh, some pretty iconic athletes. Johnny Bench from my youth, the former Cincinnati Reds catcher, he's a five that comes to mind very quickly. I think Bill Walton, I know I'm really dating myself at this point, going back to his stint with the Boston Celtics, might have worn five. You think about the quarterback position, though, hard to come up with a lot of number fives, Uh, a lot of sevens, a lot of twelves. You got some 15s here of late that are pretty significant, Uh, maybe 11, 10 here and there. Yeah. But uh, not much in the way of fives as quarterbacks. Uh, really, Favre, four became a little popular. Favre, uh-huh. Dak, guys like that. But, yeah, Drew Brees had nine. Um, there has to be a five we're overlooking. Talia Tonga-Vailoa wore five at Alabama okay. there for a couple of years. But, yeah, it's and Zal and um, a few of those guys, maybe some from the Bryan era that you could go back and check in on. But, uh it hadn't been a, a real quarterback-friendly number. Talking about quarterback-friendly, though, uh, Tim, and you, you look at the Alabama program here the last couple of years, and with this 2021 NFL draft put to bed here in the last four or five days, wanted to get your thoughts on Alabama's presence once again in an NFL draft. And, man, that narrative about quarterbacks in Alabama in the NFL draft, that seemed to – that seemed to dry up pretty quickly here in the last couple of years. Yeah, I like <clears throat> I like this draft. I mean, it's sort of similar to me to the the uh, college football season where we had uh, such a variety of things going on. Um, I think we know. I think our last podcast we had Alex Leatherwood stock up, Christian Barmore stock down, and all the NFL guys I talked to were saying the the uh, flexibility of a, of Alex who could play in a couple of different positions really helped him. He was great in interviews and I knew Barmore's film was, was going to be good and then not so good. So I knew there was going to be, you know, highs and lows on his film because his best clips are as good as you're going to see of any defensive lineman. And then, you know, he's got to learn to play at that hundred percent pace. I enjoyed the jockeying and I, and I was expecting it between the Eagles and the giants, uh, for Devonta, Devonta Smith. Um, Knew that both teams covered him pretty highly. Had other teams tell me that that Smitty won't get past the Eagles or the Giants. And they kept saying that, and I kept thinking, well, they're pretty close together. They're in-state rivals. Uh, well, they're interconference rivals. And they've got some some pretty good Alabama flavor on both those teams with Joe Panunzio with the Eagles. And, of course, you've got Jody Wright, Jeremy Pruitt, and the whole SEC-flavored uh, 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 coaching staff with the Giants. So it was good to see that, but obviously a great day for the – for the Bama guys, you know, the, the mock drafts nailed Najee coming out of the gate, 24. I don't know if I saw a mock draft that didn't have Najee at 24. So, mm-hmm. so good for them. Good for, good, good for them all. Um, you know, I thought they all picked really good spots. You know, the biggest hole you wanted to avoid, in my opinion, was you didn't want to end up in Detroit's <laughs> their 25 year rebuild. And I really feel like the NFL helped Detroit make a really good pick because I like Panay Sewell and, and the Alabama staff liked him in the recruiting process because they almost made Detroit take him at seven because I know they wanted to take a tight end or a field goal kicker. There was somebody 
the the Lions wanted early, and they ended up with you know a cornerstone guy. A cornerstone guy. So overall, I thought the draft went really well, especially for the Alabama guys. Yeah, and go back to the Matt Millen regime up in the Motor City during his forgettable time as the decision maker from a personnel perspective. You didn't want to see Devontae and Jalen up there for sure, because that has been an absolute black hole for a lot of wide receivers. Now, Calvin Johnson, he's the exception, obviously, but just about every other wide receiver that's gone up there. It has not worked out well. You know, we've discussed this before. Detroit is such a black hole that no one barely <laughs> mentioned Calvin Johnson as one of the greatest receivers all yeah. time. And physically, he might be the greatest. That was a six foot jumping jack running a four four. I mean, that guy, six foot five jumping jack, can run. So, you know, Detroit's that black hole. They've, they've got a ways to go. So I really didn't want, you know, if Stafford would have been there, it would have been a little bit different. Right. If you're. You know, if you're Waddle, or if you're Smitty, if you're Jamar Chase, you're excited because that kid guy's got a cannon, got a big arms, had a good NFL career, and again, nobody knows it because he's in Detroit. Matt Stafford it has been a good football player, you know, thrown to basically me and you. So I think the Alabama guys avoided it. Um, you know, some pitfalls. I think they landed in good spots. I know they're paired up with you know. You're paired up. Every Alabama guy, I believe, drafted ended up with another Alabama guy. So. Not sure you could ask for a whole lot more from from that end. Yeah, and there's still some things to sort out personnel-wise around the National Football League. This Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay is certainly worth monitoring. It seems like the Green Bay front office is doing everything it can to piss off Aaron Rodgers at this point, to the point where Aaron Rodgers has essentially said, I'm out, I'm ready to go. Last year was sort of like you asked another girl to the dance, and taking a quarterback in the first round this year, it's like Aaron had had the pictures of it. Like, you know, show me the pictures is kind of a green base response to everything. It seems like, and, and strain from Aaron Rodgers. Well, I think Aaron had pictures of the flirtation this time. I don't get, you know, and the Packers have been through this before. Remember when they had Rodgers and Brett Favre, they had Brett Favre, future hall of famer. They draft Rodgers, Rodgers waits, Two, three years, maybe at least. And remember, we did every year we did the Drew Brees now perfected uh, retirement dance. But Brett Favre <laughs> went in an amateur hour. He was leading the way where I think he was just trying to get out of spring football practice. Is what I think. <laughs> he's trying to get out of those summer workouts because he was supposed to retire and he came back. Um, obviously, and eventually they just shoved him out, you know. So, um, I, you know, again, you got a relatively young Rodgers for this, this NFL, um, this day in the NFL. And they draft Jordan Love pretty early, another first-round pick. So back-to-back first-round picks, use a quarterback and a DB. You know, you it is, you know, they're not really putting a lot of, lot of help on the table for Rodgers. And you know what? If they have any faith in Jordan Love, the ransom they could get for uh, Aaron Rodgers would be a really, really healthy one. So it could work out for both sides here. Yeah, I hear Broncos fans aren't real happy with that Patrick Sertan, the second pick there in the top 10 at the cornerback spot. But if the Donkeys end up with Aaron Rodgers to go along with Sertan at corner and that defense, I think they might pipe down here a little bit because Denver has been mentioned as a possible destination for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I don't know why they'd be upset with Pat. I mean, cornerbacks in the NFL are so hard to find. He's as impact ready as they're going to get. They probably mm-hmm. want a sexier player. I get it. Maybe they wanted a quarterback, but again, 
if you can get Sertan and then you can possibly get Rogers somehow and not put your pick ninth pick on a, either Mac Jones or Justin Fields, I believe who would have been left. So um, you're a winner in that scenario. I, I don't think the there's winner, any doubt about that. The big winner, if Rogers goes to Denver, is Jerry Judy. His oh, no doubt. Wow. An unbelievable. He comes. He becomes Devonte Adams, doesn't he? I mean, he yes. He his stock, and I know he had one bad game last year, and I think that's what I think that's the only game the whole nation saw because he did have four or five drops on a cold day. And it, there's no excuse. He had a bad game, but he had a, he had a pretty good rookie year. So um, getting a guy like Rogers to throw to him that that would be something else. Absolutely would be. So let me ask you this, Tim. Of these 10 draft picks from Alabama, probably more so with an emphasis on the record-breaking eight in the first 38 picks, who is your pick as the first all-pro from this draft class? First all-pro, not pro bowler, all-pro, which is, we know, the elite of the elite when it comes to NFL honors. You know, so many things to choose from. I really want to say Waddle. Because of his impact, you know, two years ago, I felt Henry Ruggs was wide receiver one. I still think Waddle, for the same reason, was wide receiver one, just just because they bring a different element to the game. Not that there's anything wrong, obviously, with Smitty, who I love. Jamar Chase is a fantastic prospect, um, obviously. But I think they bring a little bit more from the, you know, line up inside, lining up outside, special teams, if you want to use them there. Part of me thinks it could be Christian Barmore, to be honest. There's in the, you know, there's nothing like a strong defensive lineman, a guy that can get to the quarterback. Barmore, I mean, it would be elite, but Barmore has that potential to be. I mean, that guy, I mean, honestly, I looked at the 2022, we're going to talk about that next. I looked at the 2022 draft. So when Barmore went pro, I said, that's not a bad decision because there's no defensive lineman in this draft. I don't even know if any defensive tackles went in the first round. I don't think they did. So I said, as a good decision. No, in retrospect, it might have been a bad decision because next year's is even worse. Christian could have had another year to really set his tone and ended up easily a top 10 pick. When you look at that 2022 draft, uh, the mock draft at least, and of course that's going to be way off. It is a, it is a wide open class, more so than I've ever seen. Um, so, but I think Barmore's got that potential to be a, a pro bowl, a, an all pro type player. I'm tempted to go with Najee Harris, uh, because when I look around the national football league, you probably know more about this. I, I know Saquon Barkley's out there, but he's coming off an injury. Um, why not at the running back position with Najee Harris, especially because of what he can do both as a runner and a receiver, Tim. If you think with the Steelers, what they've done, they, they've used guys like Le'Veon Bell, and they've used him really well. He wasn't the same outside of the Steelers, that sort of gash and slash. The Steelers also have become sort of that, you know, remember with the uh, Broncos for a while, every running back they stuck behind mm-hmm. was an all-pro running back. Every single one. That was the offensive line, the scheme. Also, those guys were talented, but that played a big factor. I think the Steelers have a little bit of that going on. I mean, they get a rookie, James Conner. I think he was a maybe third or fourth round pick, no higher than that. Put him in there, and all of a sudden he's a pro bowler, and they let him walk. So I think they feel pretty confident in their system. And Najee, again, does those little things that, like, when you're picking that team, those blocks he's going to pick up. And, I mean, you know, I've had so many – People watch him that I, I don't know, I guess didn't see him as much. Talk about how huge even NFL guys are like, this guy's huge. And I'm like, he's he's like Irv Smith sized. 
So when you get him out in the open, when he's out in a pattern, all of a sudden you're looking at a tight end. You're looking at a not, you know, undersized offensive tackle, uh, offensive lineman when he's protecting the quarterback. The dude's a monster. You know, he's huge size, so there's nothing wrong with that. And he impacts at every level on the offense, too. So I can see I can see what you're saying there. I guess we ought to mention another former Alabama back, right? Derrick Henry at the running back position in the National Football League. How about that scenario, Tim? What if you have both the all-pro running backs or Alabama guys potentially at some point in the next couple of years with Derrick Henry and Najee Harris? Yeah, I mean, Derrick just did things that were so great. and I mean, you were on BOL when we went multiple, I mean, over a year explaining he was a running back. <laughs> And look, I got, I never got, I never doubted the he could be a good outside linebacker. Of course he could. I'm not, Najee could have. I mean, those are some yeah. athletes, you know, and you put them back there. So big, big athletic guys. But, you know, with Derek, we always knew what Alabama wanted to do with him. And of course, I think playing Derek the way they did helped with Najee. You know, you know, the thing I've loved the most about this draft is like, these guys are pretty quiet. When you go to Alabama, you're pretty businesslike. You know, you don't really hear a lot of talk. You don't see a lot on social media. The guys that do talk a lot on social media tend not to work out. So we didn't see, hear a lot from Waddle, Pat, Smitty. You know, we knew Mac, Leatherwood, Najee. Well, since the draft came out, I mean, we knew Landon had a big personality. We knew about Mac and, and everything he did. But Najee's been the one the whole world's got to meet. And he's a funny dude. And he just he's just a guy, you know, he was that way and that, you know, didn't want to deal with the recruiting process. So it's good. They're getting to see him. even Smitty's talking. You know, I didn't even know Smitty, you know, Smitty talks, you know, and I freak out because I'm so used to him just being so quiet. So um, but, yeah, Alabama's guys getting to come out, seeing that personality waddles outfit at the draft, you know, showing a little personality. I thought I thought Sertan won the drip award. I, I don't know about you. Look, Pat, the draft. Pat was born a pro. I mean. If you know his dad, if you dealt with his dad, it's not very surprising. Dad's a you know high school coach, very serious guy, understands the business. And then you get a guy like Pat who has never really talked. He didn't talk in American Heritage, never put, you know, nobody ever pushed for Pat being the best cornerback in the nation. And remember, he was there with Tyson Campbell. There was a heated debate. Um, well, not not really. There was a lot of people who thought Tyson was a better player including in our own company at the time. It was, there's a debate with the ranking, but you know, I knew this, they threw it, they threw away from Pat more than they threw at him in high school. And I think that can sum up his college career. And, you know, I think he's a guy you're not going to have to worry about much once he, you know, in that locker room, I think he's going to come out and do his job. Yeah. Hey, you're right though, about the sort of personality coming out in some of these Alabama players, really cool to see Najee on draft day doing a party at the homeless shelter in Northern California that once served him. I mean, that was just phenomenal. And, uh, these guys seem to have embraced it. You know, the, uh, the celebrity aspect of all this. Yeah, they did. I think you went, when you look, a lot of these guys were never the main guy, you know, Smitty was never the, the, the main wide receiver. Nobody really focused on Smitty. He was literally the fourth one. I remember last year in the middle of the year, having to tell people Smitty was the leading receiver yards catches and all that stuff. And they were shocked. It was like, it, it was happening before their eyes. And then, you know, you had the naysayers going, well, it's because they're covering everybody else. <laughs> so it's because they can't guard Smitty's what it is. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you had some draft analysts out there pointing to Smitty's tape against Tyson Campbell in the Georgia game back in October. But look, this is a guy who lit up Derek Stingley jr. Two years in a row. 
You know, you can go back to 2019, and yeah, and there's there's plenty of tape. And Stingley is an elite defensive back. We're and not, we'll probably be the first corner off the board next year. Stingley is a monster out there, so we don't say that as a slight to Derrick. No. He's fantastic. We're saying it as an accolade to Smitty, who ate his butt two years in a row, killed it. Mm-hmm. You know, so did a great job out there, and that's against one of the best. So I never had a problem. I mean, I get the, the weight thing with Smitty. Um, I think a lot of them, don't forget Deshaun Jackson basically fell. He had a little off-field things, but Deshaun Jackson had elite speed, but fell into that second round. I think a lot was to do with his size. You get a lot of steel there. So Smitty going, you know, going top 10. I tell you, the NFL's changed so much, it blows my mind that you have, like the Bengals. The Bengals have a quarterback, franchise quarterback, a guy that could actually win a Super Bowl. Coming off a major knee injury. Broken in half last year. In year one. And, and they go get a receiver. They go get a receiver. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, to me, it blows. And that's no slight again. If they'd have picked Smitty or Waddle, I'd have, saying, I'd have said the Tim, same. Tim, the Bengals had to think Panay Sewell's hole in his game is pass protection to to go wide receiver. Or do you think it really is that? That's just how much I the game has changed. As simple as Joe Burrow wanted to be reunited with Jamar Chase. Yeah. Jamar Chase is a freak. That guy's that that season he had. But look at all the receivers that were out there, and there really weren't offensive tackles. Tim, if you think about this: you could have moved out of that spot, and you could, got three spots and still got your guy. Oh, easy! You could have dropped. You could have moved out, and if you could have got, you know, you could have moved that and maneuvered for two picks, and you could have ended up with an offensive. We saw good offensive tackles going in the twenties, so mm-hmm. you you could have got another guy. And you still could have got your receiver. You know, I mean, last year, Justin Jefferson in the draft went 24. So you see three receivers go in the first round. You know, there's other guys out there. Obviously, those were the those were the three best. But we saw guys like Rondell Moore and uh, some of those other guys going in the second round. So there was value. I just think you protect your franchise quarterback. And don't forget, he's already he's 23 years old or 24 when he he hit the NFL, so he's already on a little shorter timeline than a lot of these guys. So I just think you protect him. Obviously, Chase probably be one of the leading candidates for Rookie of the Year, and it's somebody they need. But the Bengals have didn't address the offensive line last year. Their only pick in the offensive line was a sixth round. I think they wanted – like you know, one of the bad signs is when you have an early second-round pick and you're going to address uh, offensive line, which I think they had to be, and then you're trading down, you've missed your guy. Could have very well been Landon or Alex Leatherwood. Tim, maybe they're optimistic about Jonah Williams in his second year post-injury. Because remember, he was coming back last year from the shoulder injury. I thought he did. I thought he was, I thought he was solid. Maybe they see in him that, again, two years removed from the injury, we're going to see more of the Jonah Williams we expected to see at tackle in the NFL. Maybe. Jonah Williams, he's, he's, yeah, but five spots. Jonah. I know. Had to be healthy to block all five of them. <laughs> I know, I know. Those injuries, but just tackle, starting with tackle. Mean, here's the thing: if you think about it, who do they face two times a year? Miles Garrett, yeah. Uh, T.J. Watt, the Jadavi and Clowney with him Oli- now. Yes, Olivier Vernon's over there. Bud Dupree's over there. Those are all top 10, 12, 15 guys in sacks. Plus the Ravens defense. It's just going to be nasty. So we'll see how it plays out. But I think that sort of led to the whole the domino effect. And all the talk was it would be Panay Sewell or Jamar Chase. And I get that. I get them wanting to take a big time wide receiver. Uh, believe me, you know, love fantasy football, but um, not sure I'd have went in that direction if 
a quarterback as good as Joe Burrow coming off an injury. When we talk about the potential for Najee Harris as an all pro at the running back position, we mentioned Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley coming back off of injury and still got a couple of guys in Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara in the NFC South that uh, they can get it done themselves. As you know, did you think as a Saints, Saints fan, by the way, speaking of the Saints, Tim, that there was something to that draft day smoke of the Saints going up into the top 10 because ultimately it, it didn't play out that way. I was just curious what they had to give. They did that before with Marcus Davenport. Uh, they don't mind moving up and down. I mean, they moved up to get Ingram. They moved up to get Alvin uh, Kamara. They moved up to get Marcus Davenport. I just don't know at what point, plus they're, you know, Breeze is going to weigh heavily on that salary cap. I just didn't know what they had to give up. And if you're moving, again, if you're making that move, just like the 49ers, if you're moving from wherever to three or you're moving from the 20s to 10 or whatever you're trying to do, you better be getting a quarterback. Now, the Saints, you know, they instantly said Saints were trying to move up, but it's not for a quarterback. But if I'm the Saints, Justin Fields and Matt Jones are very interesting to me, right? Mm -hmm. They do have, like, I don't know what, Jameis Winston and and, – uh, Taysom Hill, they probably are making $30 million between them, believe it or not. Um, it's got to be over 20. So they've got an expensive quarterback. They're just in a fullback and uh, whatever Jameis left to Jameis's body. So I think those two guys had to be interested. So I think there's probably some smoke there. I just don't think they had enough to get it done. Let's talk about Alabama's top NFL draft prospect for a year from now, Tim. Who do you got in that spot? Yeah, you know, I think it's got to be Evan. I'm really curious. Again, this class is going to be very uncertain. Evan's a really good football player, obviously. Um, we're seeing mock drafts all over the place. The, you know, the one I'm really watching uh, to see what he does this year, Josh Job, I think, is a guy who really, I mean, physically he's got, you know, he's got the looks. I've talked to other, you know, NFL guys about him. He's got the look. He's obviously inexperienced. But last year I thought he was a solid football player for Alabama, you know. Um, I think he's one that I would sort of put on my sleeper list. I was looking at a guy I like named uh, Dane uh, Brugler, who does the uh-huh. athletic. Um, I find him pretty consistent. But I, when I looked at this draft, it got – I mean, I've got – he's got D.J. Dell at 24. Um, wow. Yeah, Jordan Battle at 20. So that just tells you – and it's not, not a slight towards him. It's just I think there's going to be a ton of uncertainty. In this class, the one, you know, overall, I think the Thibodeau kid from Oregon that Alabama recruited, I think he's a he's a no doubter top 10. Derek Stingley, you know, is a no doubter top 10. But there's a lot of stuff. I mean, you got Malik Willis, who was at Auburn, who's at Liberty. You know, how do you evaluate him? Obviously, tore up the, the mid-level competition. But for Alabama, I think Evan Neal is going to be the guy, um, you know, another guy that can play inside and outside. He's a massive sized guy. And uh, offensive linemen are always at a premium. You want a way too early hot take in relation to the Alabama safety position in the 2022 NFL draft, Tim? Absolutely. You love it, don't you? You love it. Don't tease. Caution. Caution, Tim. The contents of this take are extremely hot. It's like on the side of a McDonald's coffee cup these days, you know. This take is uh, exceptionally warm. I'm going to go with DeMarco Ellums being talked about in 10 months as a potential first-rounder for the 2022 NFL draft. How hot is that, Tim? That is parental advisor. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is like NWA album dropping when I was a child. Travis is bringing. My mom would not let me get this hot take. If I, I think, I think Jordan Battle is going to be probably in that same neighborhood. But man, I just love what I continue to see from Demarco Ellums. Oh, it's I, a guy I, who can play in the middle of the field. This is a guy who can drop down to the dime back position and cover some tight ends one on one. And man, I just love me some Demarco Ellums right I, now, Tim. Improved. I just know how the NFL is with safeties. Have you ever noticed it's like? They love him so much, they're top 10, or they don't like him enough, and they're the top right. the second round. You no, know, it's tough. It's Positional value is not a friend. But the thing about it is, the safety. you've seen guys go high. You know, Most of them mm-hmm. do go top 10. We saw Landon end up in the early half of that first. There's a lot of great NFL safeties right in the first half of that second round. I think it's positional. But yeah, Landon Collins. You know, absolutely. Went in that. You know, a lot of people expected Landon. He certainly was a, has, having a first round. Uh, career, you know, he certainly certainly made first round money over his career. So no, nothing wrong with that. I like that take. I'm curious to see what a guy like Mechie does. You know, I, I think Mechie, um, yeah, really good football player. Something Christian tells, Harris. Christian Harris is a guy I think could explode for sure. So, um, you know, we got some guys in the in the 2023 class that could be in this draft. I'm not sure Will Anderson's not a top ten guy in this class. You know, if, if he, I had to if I had to pick one Alabama player today to build an NFL franchise with, it might be Will Anderson going into his sophomore year at Alabama. How about another hot take, Tim? Yeah, no, I agree. I think if he was uh, 2022 eligible, I think we would definitely be talking edge rushers at a premium. Uh, he's definitely going to check every box on and off the field when it comes to that. And, you know, what he did last year was really impressive against the, you know, and all this, he didn't even get the, you know, I forget what game was it when he finally got a sack. Cause you know, he started against all he, you know, it was like six games in and he was, he was in the neighborhood every game. Yeah. He wasn't he, getting them. I remember we did a pod and I said, there's no doubt who leads the nation in almost. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even close. Will's almost got a hundred sacks because everybody in the household and every, you know, cause we'd hyped him up so much. I mean, you knew he was good with or without the sacks, but everybody was like, you know, when is he going to, you know, when is he going to do it? When is he going to do it? So I remember that still early, Tim, but we talk so much about that 2017 recruiting class in retrospect, when you look at the NFL draft, the last couple of years, still got a few guys that you know are going to complete their fifth years and be in that mix for next year's draft. So it's not over for that group just yet. For the most part, I'd say it is, but you talk about Will Anderson, Bryce Young, um, that 2020 class might have a chance. Maybe it'll be tough, but the 2020 class, because of the second year guys that we've already seen are kind of gotten adapted to here in the last year, uh, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, um, you know, you go, uh, you go through that mix 2019, the same thing. I guess the point is this, this multiple first round pick train doesn't seem to be coming to the station anytime soon. No, that was a, uh, you know, my LSU friend, Shay Dixon on the site was like sort of laughing because L- L- Alabama's in 2020 and LSU's 2019 basically were dueling banjos when you look at it. I mean, it was, you know, LSU five first round picks, Bama hold my beer. You know, I mean, that was the, we were sort of kidding around how great L- LSU's 2019 team was one of the best teams I've ever seen. Um mm-hmm. One of the funnest teams. I mean, you go. I mean, I would throw it up there with some of that, that Tommy Frazier team and some of those other ones. Some of Bama's best teams, like eleven. Um, but Alabama's twenty twenty team is to me is every bit as good. 
And, um, I mean, this Alabama team, would, to me, was just fantastic. I mean, the, the whole SEC schedule, they did it a lot easier than our game thread on the roundtable. <laughs> you believe? Because the roundtable game thread through the first half had them like 0-14. <laughs> Alabama was like uh, – um, and tanked. we love you folks, by we were, the way. We yeah, love you. We do love them. Um, no doubt it seemed like Bama was tanking at one point. So I know the first half. But Alabama did it with relative ease, if you think about it. There wasn't mm-hmm. a there wasn't a hold on, you know, at the end of the game. They, I don't remember a team having a uh, uh, football in their hands with the chance to take the lead in the at the end of any fourth quarter. So it's just the way they did it, the style. And then you had the uh, – I think the biggest shock for me is Pat didn't win the DB of the Year award, right? Went to the team. yeah, the Thorpe. Yeah, that, he didn't win the Thorpe. Never, I'll never quite. <clears throat> I'll never. I'll, I'll never understand that one. But you know, it just was a great year, and um, <clears throat> obviously six going to be tough to beat. There's no way they get six next year. Maybe never again. I mean, it's that hard to do. But I would think that you know, two, three years, you know, two or three a year. Um, is definitely doable. And you look at Will Anderson's class, we've got guys who are, you know, who potentially, you know, and I said that, I said that 2019 class to me, 2020 class to me on paper was as good as 2017. And that just had eight first round picks. So I mean, about Bryce, Will Anderson, we saw Chris Braswell in the spring game, DeMoy Kennedy threw some flashes, Jason, you know, Timmy Smith, he's going to certainly have a chance to uh, work his way in there. And we haven't even seen a lot of these guys. Quindarius Roberts, Demoy Kennedy's just showing out a little bit. So there's a lot of guys, Malachi Moore, when you run down this list. Jace uh, McClellan, Roydell Williams at the yeah, running back position. Getting a chance to just, just now getting to know you. Javion J, J, Cohen, I've heard nothing about good, good things about. Jamil mm-hmm. Burroughs, he's definitely going to be an NFL guy. Maybe not a first-rounder, but he's definitely – a plug and play if he keeps projecting that way. So yeah, I'd say they know how to recruit a little bit in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, just, just a little bit, just a little bit. He's figuring it out as he gets older. Yeah, yeah, he seems to be aging like uh, fine wine, Nick Saban. It it seems that way. Uh, we're gonna head to a break here on T Watts and TR, part of the Bama Online Podcast. When we come back, we've got some big transfer news to talk about with Tim. We'll also ask Tim. Most importantly to a lot of fans out there these days, who will be the best fantasy football player as a rookie from this recently drafted Alabama class? We'll get into some roundtable mailbag as well. We'll have some fun with that and maybe talk some movies as we get out of here on a Wednesday with Tim Watts. Additionally, back with more of the Bama Online Podcast. It is T. Watts and T.R., more of the program right after this. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Back with more of T-Watts and TR, a part of the Bama Online podcast. Travis Ryer and Tim Watts, longtime partners in crime here at BamaOnline.com, having some fun on a Wednesday, going through some aftermath of the 2021 NFL Draft, talking about some guys from the Alabama perspective looking ahead to the 2022 selection process. And Tim, uh, we do participate together in a fantasy football league uh, I have never won the league, I think, in seven or eight years. I, I think I'm just sort of – I'm sort of the homecoming opponent, it seems like, for a lot of guys in our league, Tim. No, you're the Lions. <laughs> Travis, Travis is our lovable Lions. No, it's all Oh, the lovable losing Lions. Yeah. About football, it is one of the most frustrating that you literally have to be lucky. I don't know of any other sport – where a guy can run 98 yards and let some fullback you've never heard of take his right. touch. I feel like Mike Trout hitting a touch, a home run, and at third base he tags out and some backup ass catcher comes running in to score the run. <laughs> you know, that, to get the home, you know, that's the kind of thing with fantasy football. But yeah, with Alabama guys, who's the most likely? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the chalk or the easy, easy. I'm gonna say Waddle. I'm gonna say that Waddle's so needed. With the Dolphins, I mean, you don't take a guy like that. I love what the Dolphins done. I've said that since before uh, the the staff got there before Tua. I didn't see that staff tank at all. Those guys were trying to win, win games that year before. Um, I like what they do. I like the way they draft. I think they're going to utilize a plan around him and just that familiarity between those two plus the opportunity. I think a lot of them have opportunity. Obviously, Najee. Smitty, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there for those guys, too. But I just think Waddle's going to have that specialness to him that we saw at Alabama. So we know how great a healthy, you know, a healthy Waddle is. I'll go Najee at the running back position. I think the Steelers are really going to lean on him and in some ways help him protect, not just literally protect Ben Roethlisberger in pass protection, but, you know, give him the football a good bit and also throw it to him. A good bit. So if I didn't go Waddle, I'd go Najee here. So I'll go with Najee there as Alabama's uh, best fantasy football player, most productive fantasy football player as a rookie from this recent draft class. Uh, Tim, as we talk about the transfer portal and it becomes more and more of an item of interest around college football, especially with this one-time transfer rule essentially into effect Alabama recently got some big news. Jamison Williams, a transfer at the wide receiver position from Ohio State University, earlier in the week announces he is destined for Tuscaloosa with three years of eligibility. Tim, we've seen some graduate transfers. Gary Dieter, uh, Richard Mullaney a few years back sort of jump in for a year of eligibility and plug a hole for Alabama in the wide receiver course. This feels a little bit different though, with a guy who has three years of eligibility left. Uh, this is a good football player. Now, Ohio state, <clears throat> they've ran into a situation where their last two recruiting classes have been outstanding and the wide, especially at the wide receiver position Ohio state recruits at the same level as Alabama. I mean, both are elite um, 
uh, elite recruiting programs, but their wide receiver room particularly has been really, really exceptional. So you knew it was going to be a little bit trying to get all those. You know how it is with wide receivers. You got to get them the ball. Um, you got to figure out a way, you know, to get them involved. And 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 and, and egos are big. I mean, the name one wide receiver, and there are some, but name one whose ego isn't big, whether he's vocal or not, because he thinks he's open on every play, and they usually are open on every play to some degree. So you got to have that attitude. So it's hard to keep a room that big. I think this is a guy that just didn't really feel, you know, like like he fit in enough. I mean, he was a third leading receiver, I think, last year, and he was their third receiver, but didn't even have ten catches. So obviously, Justin Fields focused on two guys last year. You know, that was a question of him in the NFL draft: can he go through all of his reads? Well, his third wide receiver had nine receptions, so there's there is some. Um, you know, possibly something to that. So, but this guy's fast, um, 6'1", 6'2". Alabama recruited during the, uh, he was a borderline top 100 guy. Alabama recruited early in the recruiting process. And, um, you know, just, you know, it was a different animal recruiting. You know, I, you know, we discussed this, but we see, we saw a discussion when we basically said Jameson Williams come to Alabama. All of a sudden the discussion was that, Alabama's wide receiver room was in trouble. No discussion before that then, but then all of a sudden there was worries. I mean, there's a lot of talent in that room. They just really haven't had a chance to show theirself. And, you know, last year, you know, you would have hoped hoped some guys had a chance to step up. But the previous year's group, Javon Baker and them, they weren't as polished. We knew that, like, uh, you know, um, uh, Holden and them had a little work to do as far as route running and all that. So it wasn't a huge surprise. Saw some of that talent in the spring game, but this group they've got coming in, there's some polished guys. I mean, you saw, you know, a guy hall, you saw what he did. I know what Jacory Brooks can do. I know what kind of player Jojo Earl is. And I, you know, I know Christian Leary's probably gonna have a little bit of a learning curve after the offense played in, but he's fast. So there's talent in that room. But anytime you get a guy that can come in, this is big as this guy, fast as this guy, he's been in a great football program. He's walking straight in and knows how to work. I mean, you know, to me, it's a no-brainer. I think it's a good fit. And sometimes a kid just needs a fresh start. Every transfer isn't malicious. I mean, you look at Jalen Hurts, who left Alabama on the greatest of terms, um, obviously a grad transfer, but on the greatest of terms, it still wears that Bama flag everywhere he goes. So um, I think sometimes, a, you know, a guy just needs a change, and I think that very well could be the case with Jamison. You said it earlier, Jamison Williams is fast. Do you think this is – Maybe an indication that Alabama was simply looking to add more of that dynamic, especially on the outside, because you mentioned Earl and you mentioned uh, Leary. And those are guys that in terms of their skill set and their measurables, they fit more as maybe inside receivers like Jalen Waddell. Do you think this is part of that in the equation of maybe getting a little more speed on the outside to go along with John Mechie? I mean, you know, it's, you know, they've always said speed kills. You can't teach speed. You can't teach size. So I think when you get a guy like that, and again, this staff really liked him early on. We're in the uh, top five with him during the early part of his, uh, uh, his recruitment before he committed to Ohio state. So, um, yeah, I think when you get a guy with speed and they have, they'll have guys that are fast, but you know, Holden Baker, um, Thio Bell, they aren't really the speed. Thio Bell's pretty fast, but they aren't really the speed guys you think of when you see Jamison. This guy's a legit guy, could get out in open space. He's going to be a sub four or five guy, uh, good athlete, and certainly looks the part. Not a lot of highlights, but 
you get a little taste of what you're getting with him there. So, and I think competition, I mean, I think you're expecting competition if you're at Alabama and um, I think it's exactly what, you know, you're going to get next year. Yeah. It was just the eight, a game. So we understand everything wasn't all the cards weren't put on the table for a scrimmage, but the explosive plays in the passing game, at least largely came from the tight end position. So, it's just a natural sort of progression. I mean, when you go from these receivers that Alabama has had, it, it's been the exception. It's been a historical exception, not a once every 10 years exception. When you have Judy and Smith and Ruggs and Waddle together for three or four years, that's a historical exception to the rule. And so you're coming from that and know i think in the evaluation process as you go through march and april uh it it probably is is easier to evaluate in some ways because (laughs) you know you don't have those guys anymore pretty quickly and i'm sure there's some some understanding given to that that look you know even from the coaching staff as much as they don't want to hear it they understand what they just had but you're trying to still bridge that gap especially where explosive plays are concerned because You've got a quarterback that can get these guys the ball in every aspect of the passing game, right, Tim? No, I agree. And when you, you know, that's the thing, you know, Alabama fans have been discussing there is sort of a void because you're losing four of the best. You're losing all timers. You're losing the best wide receiver core in the history of college football. I don't, I don't think there's a single doubt. Nobody can debate me with that, with those four from two years ago. Um, so you're losing those guys. And it was hard. It's hard to, recruit wide receivers you know they had the one year with Mechie that they got the guy they wanted they wanted Mechie they had other guys they didn't really pursue they had chances with George Pickens Seth Williams guys like that it was just hard sell to say you can come in and play when you could see it on the field that you know you had those three guys out there that were playing Smitty didn't have a huge year but he had a catch in the national championship game that the entire world saw Plus, you had Jalen Waddle coming in. Everybody could see what he was on film. So there has to be a little bit of a void with recruiting um, after that. And then, you know, you got some, like I said, you got, you know, Holden's a big old strong kid and made some plays. Uh, you know, i tell you the one thing, me and you were laughing about it, but some of these drops that Alabama fans <laughs> mentioned, they're not necessarily drops. I mean, sometimes they're just ripped from them. And, you know, we discussed the one play on the sideline where the – I forget who – who was that that broke that play up? Was it Javon? They called it a drop in the spring game. Oh, no, it was a hell of a play by Jalen Armour Davis I mean, because he kept his hand in there through the play. It was textbook corner play. Yeah. In the gut. I mean, oh. you know, and Holden probably should have caught that pass in the back of the end zone. Let me tell you, Bryce threw a dart, and he's leaning forward, and that ball got on your chest. So I still think there's some guys. Obviously, a guy Hall made some plays, you know, motivated kid. So we got guys there. We've seen guys there that can make plays. They're just going to have to do it consistently. And again, we're we're spoiled having witnessed what we did. You know, we said this that 2008 offense had all of these guys plus Irv Smith plus Josh Jacobs. You know, when we look back, that's a that's a 30 for 30 special just on that offensive unit and what became of them after they left Alabama. You know, 10 years from now, that's going to be a great story because that offense was so loaded. So. Um, yeah, there's expected to be a little bit of fallout, but you get a guy like Jameson Williams, uh, again, coming from a great program, Ohio state knows how to run a program. It's a good program, uh, in the national championship game. So, um, he's going to go from there to Alabama. It's going to be easy transition. There's not going to be, you know, a whole lot of bad habits to break or anything. And he's fast and he's motivated, you know? So 
again, just because, you know, sometimes, you know, a fresh start is good. Yeah, I guess you could say this is the Kendall Sheffield trade, right? Kendall Sheffield ended up at Ohio State. So here comes Jamison Williams to Alabama. Absolutely. (laughs) Kendall, I believe, actually made a quick stop at a junior college before making his way up to Columbus. Yeah, I think he did. I think he went 4-2-4, didn't he? Yeah, that does sound right. Yeah. Yeah, worked out okay for Kendall up there. Ended up in the National Football League, and perhaps it'll be the same for Jamison Williams going the other way. Um, on that Tuscaloosa, Columbus sort of uh, round tripper there. Hey, Tim, uh, also, we want to get into the mailbag here coming up. We always have some fun stuff uh, in the mailbag, and we'll do that here in just a second. But, you know, we haven't talked really any Major League Baseball to this point. Uh, The Braves, obviously, of regional significance based on where we live. To say it's been sort of a tumultuous start, an up-and-down start for the Atlanta Braves, I think that could be maybe an understatement. This is a team that obviously still trying to find its footing, but just in Major League Baseball terms in general, what has been your impression of the start to the season to this point? I tell you, I'm enjoying it. I mean, it's uh, to me, it's it's, I've seen some bad baseball, you know, watching the (laughs) Braves. I mean, you watch the National League East. I don't think anybody will tell you there's a really good team there. Phillies lead it. I think they're 500. The Braves, Nationals, everybody's within three or four of of 500. Um, you know, Acuna is one of the best, I mean, maybe the best player in Major League Baseball. Not better than Trout, obviously, but he's heading in that direction. What I've enjoyed is you see a lot of young guys having fun, kidding around and playing and stuff like that. I've enjoyed watching the Dodgers streak out where I thought they were going to go undefeated and then come flying in to win, you know, lose like 11 of their last 14. I don't know that exact number, but the Dodgers are really struggling, got swept last night. Um, two and eight in their last 10, I'm looking now. So Dodgers won, you know, uh, supposed to be one of the best teams. So I haven't really paid as much to the American League. I feel like there's been a big shift feel like there's more talent in the National League, but there is good. I'm excited. We're going, now that you mentioned it, we're going on the, uh, uh, you know, last year's trip to Europe with the family got canceled, but we are going to Boston next Friday, doing a little East. Nice. We've got Fenway tickets for Friday, so pray for no injuries, with uh, Otani and Trout. So I was pretty happy to get that. Wow. Otani is a monster. Is he going to start on the mound and hit second in the lineup when you're there? He's, I know he got scratched from his start. I didn't. I just want to see the guy, the guy hit or what. I really want to see Trout. I've never actually seen him. He's Otani. You know, still have chances to see him. But I, the thing about Otani is when you watch him, and you know, I used to, you know, you know, I watched the, a lot of the Asian baseball. I watched him in the Japanese league. The guy looks, especially in Japan, he looks like a monster. He looks like Godzilla. And then he's so big. He's a big boy. Even in the major leagues, he looks huge. He is a monster sized human being. Of course, you got to be to hit 450 foot bombs. And I mean, I saw him the other day. The guy hit a home run, didn't know it was a home run. He thought it was off the top of the wall. And they clocked him, dude. He can fly. Big guy can throw 100 miles an hour, hit 450, and he can absolutely fly. So he's sort of a. You know, he's sort of a hidden gem. If you play baseball on the West Coast, I don't think most people really notice you. you know, are, I think, you, uh, are you guys hitting all the ballparks up there in, in the three towns? We have the option. We probably won't, but we did. It worked out perfect. That's why that time frame was before K goes to summer baseball. Uh-huh. 
but we could see a game. We're going to D.C. We could see a game there. The Yankees are in town, but we've been to Yankee Stadium. So Boston's the one. We've been there before, and it's just a – I mean, you know what it's like. You get it. Nationals Park is underrated, I think, man. I, I went to Nationals Park not expecting much, and I was very pleasantly surprised by Nationals Park. Well, we've never been to D.C. at all. You know, we got caught up in the okay. – you know, here, in, you know, in Alabama, the kids, I don't know if your kids had deal this, but here you, they do a D.C. trip in like seventh grade. Right. Whatever yeah. it is. I mean, it's like a twenty, $2,500 trip or whatever it is. Well, we had four kids. So with our oldest, Bryson, we sat down and said, you know, if we send this one, we got to send them all for $10,000 into this D.C. trip. Uh, that's what you get for trying to be Philip Rivers, Tim, well, with all the kids, you know. I'm smarter than Philip because I didn't send none of them. Philip <laughs> Rivers kids went to D.C., but the Watch children did not go. So we said, we're going to see New York, Boston, and D.C. instead of that. So that's why we've never actually been. Um, so we'll be there, but we've got an extra day, so maybe do a Nationals game. Um, wouldn't mind seeing a guy like Soto, you know, certainly a good, yeah, fun player. So it's on the, it's on the agenda. If yeah. uh, it's on the, uh, on the, uh, wait list in case we need something. There you go. Always good to have that wait list ready to go. Well, Tim, if you're ready, I'm ready to jump into that Bama online roundtable mailbag for the T Watts and TR podcast and we'll get it going this week with Ann Brand Jacks who asks if the SEC removes the ban on intra-conference transfer essentially allowing players like Henry Toa who is in the transfer portal the Tennessee linebacker uh, to move to perhaps another SEC school like in Alabama and Brian Jacks wants to know what will the effect of that be in the SEC? Who will be winners and who will be losers, Tim? Yeah, I don't know who I was planning to transfer. I'm not a huge fan. I hope this is if they do pass. I hope it's a one-time rule. I really think that you open up a lot of doors of tampering. I mean, let's be honest. All these guys in the SEC, most of them choose their SEC school over another SEC school. A lot of these guys – are from different states too. So, you know, they got to go home, you know, you know, you got a guy, you know, if you have a guy from out of state, they go home, they have a lot of people in their ear. I just think you could, you know, limit a lot of that, that, that chance for uh, tampering. But with the one year rule, obviously Alabama get, you know, uh, Henry would be a big deal. Um, I haven't really looked at everybody else. I feel like Tennessee, I don't know where all the guys are going, but I know Tennessee Tennessee had three guys go to Oklahoma. I mean, they, yeah, they had three guys leave this week. Um, oh yeah, all, Auburn did too. Yeah. I think we're all part of the 2020 class. So um, those guys are definitely, you know, going to be the losers. I don't know if those they're going to SEC schools or what, but I mean that's a lot of talent. I mean Tennessee's really, you know, talking about, um, you know, being behind the eight ball. I'm not sure exactly what led to everything with with Jeremy Pruitt. I just know the backlash from it is going to be it's going to be pretty long standing. I'm guessing. Yes, uh, that does have the feeling up there in East Tennessee. I think it's simple. I think programs like Alabama are going to continue to be able to cherry pick, just like you saw here in the last few days with Jamison Williams. If there is a high-level, potentially elite player that's in the portal and they have a need at that spot or feel like they can add to the competition significantly at a particular spot, Alabama is going to be able to cherry pick. And so – well, if you include the SEC as a part of that 
pool that Alabama has to work from on an annual basis. Yeah. Alabama just going to get richer, I think. And uh, what you're going to see is let's say you have a first team all SEC running back at Vanderbilt as a true freshman for some reason goes eight for 1500 yards and then says, you know what? I'm at Vanderbilt. I'm going to hit the portal. And Alabama has a need at running back, which typically Alabama doesn't, but just from a potential scenario here. Well, you're right. Uh, yeah, Vanderbilt's going to lose a 1,500-yard running back to Alabama, right? I mean, that's the way this is going to work. Well, you know, even then, you know, if you think about it, a guy like Jameson usually would have ended up at, like, you know, a, a smaller school, Marshall. Um, he could have ended up at a smaller school, another conference, TCU, used to get a lot of transfers. Yeah. But when you have these guys now fearless, Mississippi State, yeah. Yeah, these guys are now fearless. They're just skipping from Alabama. So a lot of the smaller schools are definitely <clears throat> going to take the L here. Guys, they usually they're going to be like they're going to be like developmental programs for the Alabamas mm-hmm. in some ways. Right. Clemson, Ohio State. I, I would agree with that. Those smaller schools, I think the bigger schools, you know, you, you know, you are what you are. You got to hold your guys. But you're right. The guy who doesn't feel he's getting the exposure at a Vanderbilt. <clears throat> and he could look and get that, you know, get a, on a bigger stage. Also, there's a the whole experience of going to, to to Clemson or Ohio State or Alabama or whoever. There's the whole experience of dealing with the college football playoffs. That's an experience. That's an experience yeah. worth, you know, going through whether you win or lose. So it's not, you know, it's a whole different thing. So um, Alabama obviously, well, obviously won't hurt Alabama a whole lot. Alabama is always going to be competitive. Alabama is always going to have guys leaving. And they're always going to have guys coming in this scenario to me. And you're also going to have name, image, and likeness coming in. So off the field, you're going to be trying to maximize your brand uh, from that perspective. And, you know, you're obviously going to be able to do that more so at places like Alabama than you are at, say, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, uh, those type of programs. Third and Golding in the roundtable mailbag. Asked him, do we know when the big Bama camps will be, and do you expect commits to start rolling after the camps, Tim? Yeah, sometime this summer. I know Saban's been talking about it. I don't know the exact dates offhand. I know how excited the staff is. You know, it's always been. I think most big college programs are successful college programs. Camps are important. But I think for Alabama, it uh, it's as important as anything else to see those guys. Um so I think as far as the commitments rolling in, you know, I think Alabama's in that state where they could get commitments. But, I mean, they, I told, said this. I said it, they could fill a class. They could have did this last year when they just had one commitment. If they just wanted to fill a class up of four stars and go for a top eight or ten class, they could probably do that at, at, at any moment. Um, I don't think high-level guys, when you look at the top recruiters in the country with Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Ohio State, you know, those schools like that, Oklahoma. I don't think that's what their goal is. Their goal is to get the best players possible. You have to wait for those players. And those players sort of, you know, they sort of commit at their own leisure. You know, obviously, quarterback's a little different. You saw Ty Simpson jump on board and be the ambassador for this class. Quarterback's a little different, but that's a one-position um, uh, recruiting class, you got one of them. Running back, you have multiple offensive linemen, tackle, wide receiver, defensive linemen, you got multiple. So these guys sort of trickle in as it comes along. And there's going to be a lot of them, even if they're committing early. I mean, if I'm a kid, I'm taking visits. I mean, I've been the, under this, these kids have been under the same limitations we have as adults on what kind of travel they can do um, and visiting college campuses. So if I get a chance, I'm definitely taking some visits. So I would expect other 
you know, other players to do the same. Tide still in the uh, roundtable mailbag asks, first, which combo will be better in the NFL, Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith or Tua Tonga-Vailoa and Jalen Waddle? Which duo are you going with there, Tim? Quarterback, wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, I have to go with Tua. I, lo- I think the, the franchise is heading in the right direction. I think Waddle's the perfect fit. You got that connection. Uh, NFL's a little different. You know, you got guys that defenses are – they build defenses just to stop players and offenses. I mean, if you need proof, look at what Lamar Jackson did two years ago versus what he did last year. The adjustments were there. It was a totally different year. The NFL defenses um, – Defensive coaches are, you know, the best in the world, in my, you know, my opinion, the smartest. So I think it'll be a little bit harder for Smitty. Um, and he's, you know, he's not going to be probably going across that middle as much. Waddle's a guy that's going to take short passes. You don't want Smitty to get hit a lot. You don't want Waddle to get hit a lot. I think Waddle's quickness, uh, Smitty's quickness helped them in that regard. But, you know, to me, I think two is the better of the quarterback between them and Jalen. I think the game plan is better for the Dolphins right now than the Eagles. Um, but I haven't really seen the new coaching staff. They might have something, you know, in play. They feel confident enough in Jalen. I thought Jalen had good moments last year for sure. Um, I, he could have played earlier than than he did, actually. You know, and I thought he, he had a decent impact on that team. So, but I'd go, I think two is the easy, two of Waddle, I think it's the easy selection there. Yeah, I think the Dolphins probably feel like they got a two for one in Jalen Waddle because they needed help in the backfield as well. But I think the Dolphins are going to be able to do some things with Jalen Waddle formationally where they can line him up in the backfield. You can line Jalen up at so many different places and do so many things pre-snap with motion and jet action and throwing him the ball in a quick game. He can stretch the field. Tua has to be the happiest quarterback in the National Football League in the look, days following the NFL draft. When you look for like, you know, hot route, you look for your hot read. I mean, there's hot like, route. Yeah, hot route, hot route. There's nothing better <laughs> than having a guy like Waddle, you know, especially, and you've been in tune with him. You know how that relationship probably is between those two guys. You saw how excited, um, how excited Tua was when they drafted him. So, yeah, I think the Dolphins are heading in the right direction. So, and I see, the Eagles could be. I just haven't really seen it. I know the Eagles have offensive line issues, and they have a lot of stuff they're going through. Did you see the uh, – the whole controversy about the draft pick where the guy grudgingly fist bumped <laughs> the uh, GM or whatever. I didn't see that. Eagles draft room. Yeah, I didn't see it until yesterday. They actually had the guy talking about it. It's on ESPN. He's actually talking about how the cameras caught him selecting somebody. He went around the room fist bumping. I think he's a third round defensive lineman. And <laughs> he went to the one guy, and the guy's like that grudging kid who doesn't want to fist bump his teammates. Because he's 0 for 3 when his teammate hits a homer. This oh, jeez. Oh, it was a half-ass fist bump now. I mean. I saw the Giants fan that was so pissed after the Eagles were able to select Devontae, and he wanted Devontae with the Giants. He was so pissed, he put two punches into the sheetrock while he was watching the, uh, See, watching the, the draft. And his girlfriend slash wife came over and punched him after he put two holes in the sheetrock. That's the dude that went ahead and ordered the Smitty. <laughs> and it wasn't actually out. He had to, what is that? He had to customize that giant Smitty. Yes. He's got, yeah. he's got a giant shirt that says Smitty. Is two right hooks. And I mean, two nice holes in the sheetrock. 
right next to the uh, flat screen. Did not see that. He wanted him some Devante in uh, Gotham. Yeah, it was beautiful. You have to look that up. You, it won't be hard to find. It's, I think it's pretty viral as well. Tide Still is also asking if uh, Najee Harris, uh, Rookie of the Year and Super Bowl champion in 2021. I think Tide Still for the second to happen, the first would pretty much have to happen. I think not. I think for the Steelers to win the Super Bowl in 2021, yeah, I think Najee would have to almost be the Rookie of the Year, Tim. Yeah, I would agree. I'm a huge fan of Tomlin. I mean, is there is, he, is there anybody even close to as tenured as him with this with the same team? That's the thing about the Steelers, man. They'll hang in there with a head coach, Cower, uh, Noel. And he's got some success. I mean, they yeah. They, I would say Tomlin. They don't short time it. No, I would think they 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 went in there. I mean, that's you know, to me, Tomlin's one of the best coaches. Why? Because he had to deal with. Friggin' Le- Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown in the same locker room with Big Ben riding around with no helmet on a motorcycle. You know, I mean, that guy, he had a lot of stuff to deal with there. Um, you know, so I always sign him a good coach when he survives a situation like that. So I think they have, they have a lot of defensive talent. Um, I thought, you know, Minka obviously was a really good, you know, trade. And, you know, obviously uh-huh. TJ Watts, really good player. I think they've got the guys in place. I think their offensive line down is a little bit. Is down a little yeah, bit. that's the question, right? That they're offensive line. They're a really good franchise, and really good franchises find a way. And also, I have to think the Steelers are thinking win now, or you don't take Najee at 24. You don't take Najee mm-hmm. in a rebuild, right? Najee's coming no. in to help you win. That's the kind of guy, you know, and, you know people question it in the pick. They're saying we need this guy to get to the Super Bowl, to get to the playoffs. You don't take him going, we're going to start our whole – franchise we're going to build around Najee Harris he's a guy coming in to impact right away in my opinion so I think they're confident they can win and Tide Steel gets us out of here out of the mailbag on this Wednesday with the question will Travis quit being a Jags fan now that they have Urban and the Clemson twins in Jacksonville absolutely not Tide Steel I've probably just ramped it up even more and especially if Tim Tebow Tim Tebow Maybe coming in there as a tight end, Tim Watts. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to uh, watch that team. Um, I don't know what to expect. I know they're going. To, I know they're going to get talent. I think Urban Meyer knows how to get talent. I don't necessarily know if he knows how to like manage it long term and with some of the situations he'd be in. But he knows what talent looks like. I mean, he mm. went. I, I didn't love the the Travis. I love Travis as a running back. Um, I'm not sure I would have taken him right there. That was there. a head scratcher, yeah. Yeah, but again, he probably has a plan. The dude can run a 4 3 at the end That's of the day, though. You, draft, you know, a lot of times when we, I tell you what, a lot of times when we see those guys, like, what the hell are they doing? A lot of these teams actually know what they're doing, surprisingly or not. Now, the Lions, when we said, what the hell are they doing? We meant, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? What uh, the F were they doing? Yes, what are you doing? Parental advisory. No, I think I think Urban he loves the speed and he just couldn't look away. He wanted um he wanted Tony there. He wanted Kadarius Tony from Florida. Uh and then Tony went a few picks earlier and so ATN was still there and you know, maybe they can do some things with ATN that Urban used to do with Percy Harvin. Move him around. Obviously he's a running back first and foremost, but uh you can do some things to complement uh your your current running back situation hey what urban's not good at he's not really good at playing the game because they no. let everybody know they wanted tony yeah 
You know what yeah. I mean? You don't you don't want to get a Facebook follower. I think I think Urban's learning still a you lot. Know, well, he's he's off to and, and the big and the biggest thing is how he's about to interact with players on a daily basis because that hasn't happened yet, Tim. They will headlock since he's been hired. He they hasn't, he hasn't like dealt it. with these guys every day. Those NFL guys, those are grown men. It's a give him a noogie. Yeah. Tell this is the guy we wanted. We didn't get, so we took him. That's literally like. That's my biggest concern with Urban. Dude, this is like going to the mall. These players are, yeah, they're going to look at him like, what, bro? It's like taking your wife to the mall, running a girl and saying, you know, that's the girl I wanted to marry. (laughs) She had higher hopes, but, you know, you're not a bad second option. (laughs) You don't really throw that out there. You got to say, we wanted this guy. Um, Obviously, in this case, to me, honesty is not the best. No. No, yeah, and, I, would, uh, I would not have. I would not have stuck. With Urban that. gets those those key moments sort of mixed up at times. It seems like when it comes to that. But uh, well, my team, the Saints, it was just to me. It was I didn't even really pay attention to the draft. They do really well draft wise. They weren't going to get anybody sexy. I never felt for a moment they were actually trading up to get somebody to get excited about. I would have taken Mac or Justin Fields mm-hmm. just to have a placeholder. You know. Uh, even if you need to sit them a year and run out this Taysom Hill, here's the thing about quarterbacks that's funny. We have found out that quarterbacks hold extreme value. I don't know why. I mean, we've known that, but mm-hmm. other people are filling it out. You can have two good quarterbacks. You can draft Josh Rosen in the first and then draft Kyler Murray and then trade Josh Rosen and get some value back. So you, to me, you take a quarterback till you get your guy. I find it hard to believe that the Saints believe the – the, the Winston Hill duo is what's going to replace Drew Brees. So, you know, there's reports today coming out of New Orleans, though, that the Saints really were trying to get into the uh, 10 to 14 range. And this comes from Jeff Howe, the Patriots beat reporter for The Athletic, uh, who reports that the Saints were trying to trade into the 10 to 14 range for Mac Jones. And they had a deal to get to number 16 with the Cardinals, but the Patriots took Mac with the number 15 overall pick. So uh, you're saying it sounds like, at least, according to this report, That's what I was they saying. were actively working to try to get in that 10 to 16 range for Mac. I believe they probably tried. I just don't know what they had to offer. Yeah. You know what I mean? What do, yeah. you, what do you have to trade? You don't really have players to trade. You're going to trade Cam Jordan. I'm not sure what Marcus Davenport gets you. You're not, you don't, you know I mean? You're the, you've got picks, but your picks are always going to be 20 to just with that defense. They're going to be a 20 to 32 pick in every round anyway. So I don't know what they had to go after him. Um, Also, it sounds like the Patriots leaked that to show how much, you know, I'm always suspicious of these after the fact. Especially involving the Patriots. Here's what I deal with, Travis, 30 times a year. I deal with a kid who woke up and decided where he's going to college. Exactly. Three months later, the story's telling me he's known for 11 months. Uh Somewhere some BS in there. So when I hear these stories, I've always got to play. I'm always suspicious. I'm not getting the full truth. But, hey, I'd have taken Mac Jones. I think Mac's going to be a good quarterback. And I think most guys are going to be good quarterbacks under Sean Payton. That's one thing he does well is he works well with the quarterback. So I'd have been happy happy with that. I just didn't know what they had to move up for him. I mean, even the wide receiving course, you know, band-aided, you know, put together with band-aids. And, um, 
you know, pretty good offensive line. Obviously, you have a Kamara, Michael Thomas, but not a whole whole lot else. You know, everything's been on defense so far. So they're in. A, they're going to at some point. They're going to flush and rebuild and just have to start over from scratch. Is what they're going to have to do. Blow it up. Yeah. Well, they're, they're going to have to. That team hovering between twenty and thirty-two and every. Not that there's not tremendous value there. Half the Pro Bowlers probably went later than twenty overall. Yeah, I think Peyton has got to see for himself if he can fix Jameis or maybe really do it with Taysom. And this season, he'll have a great understanding of whether either or both or none uh, is salvageable or workable at the highest level of the National Football League. And if they're not, uh, maybe that's when you you really start to to look to to do what you got to do to get that next quarterback in place although you look early at this 2022 class for quarterbacks Tim, it doesn't look like and we say this a lot it doesn't look like this early there's that guy or two out there but it never fails you know a year from now we'll be talking about how three quarterbacks went in the top 10 of the 2022 NFL draft because teams can't help themselves well you got me we've seen it I mean it's you know the thing is like 10 years ago, we were watching teams between, you know, the bottom half of that draft take guys like Johnny Menzel and and yeah. uh, Brady Quinn and, and Brandon Whedon. You know, we saw a ton of guys go down there. But this isn't new. I remember Akili Smith going, what was it, second or third in a year? Yeah. Joey Harrington went sec- second or third. So, yeah. I mean, the reaches have been there forever because, you know, I – I don't think you can win in the National Football League without a good quarterback. I don't. I don't. Can't think of a Super Bowl team that won without a without a great quarterback. Has there been one that hasn't? This one, Joey Flacco, would be one. Um, Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer uh, won a Super Bowl. Few and far between. Usually, it's a Brady, it's a Breeze, it's a Mahomes, Peyton. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. that elite type quarterback. So you're either going to have to have an okay quarterback and elite defense for the most part, which is yeah. Where I mean, Peyton was an elite quarterback for his career, but he wasn't at the time that he won one with the Broncos. No, absolutely not. That was a great defensive team, but he was good. He was a good – He was solid. Good, solid game manager. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Good, solid football player. So we'll see how it it goes. But I think you – you know what? I draft a quarterback – First through seventh round every year until I find him. <laughs> I'm scared like, hey, we're not. I know I got 28 quarterbacks. We can't play y'all, but one of these guys is taking the rank. <laughs> I mean, you have situations like Jordan Love. How long is he going to sit and wait? Right. And again, this isn't a third, fourth round pick. This is a guy that won the first round of the NFL draft, uh, sitting over there, you know, waiting to play. You know, you know, you assume that guy is going to be able to play in the next couple of years. So, and if you can get a younger Love and trade and uh you know uh, rogers has still got i mean i don't well, how many years do you think he's got he's got i mean he looks great to me three or four at least i mean yeah. he doesn't look like he's missing a beat no, no he's not pocket his arm talent is, mm-hmm. is anybody in the league so obviously these quarterbacks as they get older are getting better this isn't going to be a case where like breeze you know we saw breeze's arm sort of you know drift away the last few years i haven't seen that with rogers no he threw passes last year that there's anything he strongly. And he, it's not just the pocket throws. He's still making the off platform throws, man. Oh, absolutely. And, right. And he too. I mean, with his, you know, his crazy. Life. Yeah. So crazy. Interesting stuff, though. A great. Yeah. Yeah. We, it's been a lot of fun, man. Next week for I go out of town. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do the uh, the Boston <laughs> NYC DC preview. 
yes, with Tim I, Watts. I'll have the whole travel. I want the itinerary. I'll expect that to be emailed. No, this, will be little, this will be a little looser because been to Boston, been to New York twice, been to Boston once. Yeah. Say, we're saying right. I tell you, New York. You know what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a creature of habit. If you don't watch mm-hmm. me, I will eat at the same restaurant at the same Every me too. Travel a million. You got to go to Sparks uh, Steakhouse because that's where, where uh, that's where Paulie Castellano got whacked out on the curb. Because we're staying. Previously, we stayed in Harlem at the top by Central Park. Yeah. Then we stayed in uh, Hell's Kitchen, sort of at the yeah. south. So now we're staying in Lower Manhattan. We like to bounce around a little close. We're gonna spend more time. Sure. In I'm so dumb. I'm so Alabama Southern. That I was like, hey, we'll dip over and see Brooklyn one day. Probably take it. I literally thought it would take half a day or so. No, 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 no. It's the fourth biggest city in the world or something. Last time I took the the fam to New York City, we stayed the whole time in Brooklyn. We did Brooklyn the whole time and went into the city. Kind of did it backwards, but it was really cool. Yeah, you'll like Brooklyn. We'll talk about it next week, though. Get in depth on it. Good stuff, Tim. Appreciate everybody who participated with us via the Roundtable Mailbag. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the podcast? A rating and a review while you're there would be greatly appreciated. Until next time, so long. Take care of yourself, everybody. Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.